Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. You said that Trump poses a near existential threat to the rule of law. And and this is something similar language that I hear privately from national security officials, some people you and I both know who will say this privately about what a second term could mean. But tell me a little bit about the specifics of what he could try to do. What do you mean by that? Do I really need to listen to James Comey tell me about who's a threat to society, a threat to democracy, who's weaponizing what? Jen Psaki, now with MSNBC, formerly the White House press secretary, like there's a difference, doing a sit-down interview with the former FBI director to tell us about Trump being a threat? This is... This is the world upside down, except, well, we've seen it this way so often that we kind of get that this is it. This is how they act. This is how they are. Unwilling to look at their own people and say, you failed us. James Comey is a failure, an absolute failure. Lied to the American people. Allowed an investigation, or I should say, a yeah, an investigation into Trump to happen when he knew it was fraudulent. He knew it, that everything about Russia, Russia, Russia was total nonsense. James Comey is a radical partisan, a radical political figure. That's what he is. And for Jen Psaki to sit down with him seriously, this is a rehabilitation piece. I have to listen to Comey tell me, well, 2024, it has to be Joe Biden. Stop it. This is unserious. And I I must say that CNN, you see what they're doing? Don't do that and you'll go far. You got to purge some more people in order not to do what it is they're doing. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, what is going on with you? Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Oh, Comey, lecturing to us again. Well, think about what four years of a retribution presidency might look like. He could order the investigation and prosecution of individuals who he sees as enemies. I'm sure I'm on the enemies list because the president constitutionally does oversee the executive branch entirely, which includes the Department of Justice. We haven't already seen what happens when you go after people in a retributive manner. We already haven't seen what happens when you weaponize the IRS against the Tea Party, when you weaponize the FBI against Trump and his team, a duly elected president, when you lie to the FISA court. What the hell is he talking about? Can you imagine we've lived through it? Holy cow, Comey prosecutors and investigators and so he could commission direct that individuals be pursued he could also direct all kinds of other conduct that people would maybe take to court to try to stop but who enforces court orders Mm -hmm. mostly the united states marshal service which is in part of the executive branch and reports to the president there is a whole theory that the political left will always accuse you of the thing that they're doing Listen to this. Listen to this fear-mongering from uh, James Comey. This is everything that they did. 
manipulating the system, lying to get surveillance done, pursuing a, 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 a fake ag- agenda or, or they, what they knew was, was false, and telling the American people, well, you have to believe us because we're the institutions. If you ever wanted to know what Pravda does, this is it. If you ever want to know why people don't trust the media elite, this is it. Senator Ted Cruz on Newsmax. And and Rob, as you know, the corporate media is profoundly corrupt. They are broken. Donald Trump broke the corporate media. And and, and they now, they, they no longer even aspire to be journalists, to present the facts, to present both sides. They now view their mission as propagandists. They are now actively, they're not just Democrats. They are the left wing of the Democrat Party. They are covering up for the corruption of the Biden White House, and they are attacking Republicans and especially Donald Trump. They are filled with hatred. They will not cover the overwhelming evidence of of corruption within the Biden family. As you know, I do a podcast three days a week, Verdict with Ted Cruz. We beat CNN every week because we've had over 60 million downloads, and we've gone into great detail about all of the facts involving Joe Biden's corruption, his family's corruption, the more than a dozen family members who've received millions of dollars from the Chinese communists. None of that is covered by the corporate media because it is inconsistent with their narrative and their protection of this president. That's 100% accurate. That is accurate. And the proof is this conversation that Jen Psaki is having with James Comey. James Comey is laying out, look, we did all these things, but if Trump gets into office, he could do the same thing we just did, but when he does it, it's duplicitous, and when we do it, it's for the good of the nation? And so President Trump could say, I don't care what the Supreme Court says or these district judges say, I'm telling the Marshal Service, don't enforce the court order. Didn't Joe Biden say, I don't care what the Supreme Court says, we're going to pause uh, uh, evictions, we're going to continue the moratorium? Isn't it Joe Biden's, I don't care what the court says about student loan repayments, we'll, we'll give that a go anyway. Everything that the left does, somehow, if the right does it, it's a crime. It's it's a very telling telling interview, but I, 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 he told you, you don't have to go watch it. But Jen Psaki is as unserious as the day is long. If this is the interview she's going to do, if this is the answer that she's going to allow without saying, oh, come on, James, we know what you did. My gosh, this is considered journalism. It's not journalism. This is a propaganda narrative piece. Ted Cruz is absolutely right. And you know who else is? You are. Because you've now hit the moment where you see it before it's happening. You just are able to look around the corner now because you've seen so much of it, because we've engaged so many of these conversations. You are now able to say, yep, I know exactly what that is. And to be clear, that's a very good thing, but it also tells us how far we are from having a press corps that we can have faith in again. We're pretty damn far. That is not something that feels good. This is a serious danger for all of us in how this press corps acts. And the danger doesn't stop until they stop being dangerous. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. People 
get infuriated when they see Governor Holcomb taking another trip overseas. For all the issues I have with Governor Holcomb and his radical unwillingness to come on this show, his team, which clearly doesn't care how they insult us with how they respond to the requests. Why shouldn't he go overseas and try and bring business back to Indiana? I don't I don't see the issue. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Gary Dick joins us from InsideIndianaBusiness.com on Twitter. At IIB, that's where you find him. Uh, writing about how Holcomb is taking another one of these trips. Uh, this trip is going to... He's going to Portugal and France. Now, admittedly, he's going to Portugal and France in June. Um, he, he picked a nice time to go. But the idea that the travel is somehow improper blows my mind. If part of the goal is to attract business, attract opportunity, you got to go to where the opportunity may very well be. Right now, what we have is a tremendous opportunity to pull more and more manufacturing out of China. That's a real, real opportunity. And these companies are looking to get out of China because they know China can't be trusted. Okay. Not only does China steal, there's a workforce problem taking place in China. A real and legitimate problem. And the way to capitalize on this is to say, hey, come to Indiana. We got a workforce here that's ready to go. Gary Dick joins us right now. And th- this trip to, to France and to Portugal that, that Governor Holcomb is, is taking, as, as I was saying, I got a lot of issues with the man. But it's not it's not these trips. Uh, what is the expectation in this uh, European jaunt? Yeah, yeah, this is the latest, uh, Tony, uh, foreign trade trip for uh, Governor Holcomb. In fact, his 15th uh, as governor, he and uh, Indiana Secretary of Commerce, uh, Brad Chambers, making the trip. And, and basically it is about a, a number of things. The most important thing, these continuing to foster these relationships, uh, do deals get done on these trips? Uh, sometimes yes, but typically no. It's over the course of time. And on this particular trip, uh, there's a real focus on the so-called uh, advanced industries in manufacturing, uh, semiconductors, electric vehicle components, those types of things. Motorsports uh, is going to be another focus of the trip as well. So it's about connecting with these government business and community leaders uh, in these countries, in this case, uh, France and Portugal, and uh, you know, trying to get ultimately to deals that can mean investment and jobs here. So when he, he goes and goes a looking, are we talking about manufacturing? Are we talking about, you know, you talk about the automotive. Is this about development? What is the desire, right? If there's a wish list from from the governor and from Brad Chambers, who's the Secretary of Commerce, who I'm I'm a fan of, and and I, I you know not to get you in trouble, Gary Dick. Although it is fun from time to time, uh, <laughs> if Brad Chambers wanted to throw himself into this governor's race, I think there'd be a real appetite for him. I I, I believe that to be true. Uh, what is the desire? Manufacturing, technology investment? Is it a mix? Rank it. 
Yeah, and I think you're right. You hit really the sweet spot there. We talk advanced manufacturing, and we talk in manufacturing is not necessarily you know that 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 traditional manufacturing. If you look at automotive, if you look at the billions of dollars being invested by companies like Stellantis and Kokomo, uh, a couple of billion dollar uh, investment for uh, EV uh, components. Other companies doing the same. So that's one piece. Semiconductors. We saw the Chips Act and see what that is doing to spark uh, the, the goal anyway is to spark investment and manufacturing in semiconductors here in the United States. Indiana believes it can become a hub for this kind of uh, activity. We've already seen a number of big announcements. The other one is energy, which um, doesn't necessarily get a lot of attention here in Indiana, but is increasingly becoming or coming into focus. You look at uh, the big mammoth solar uh, 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 solar farm in northwest Indiana, Doral Renewables. That is a uh, the largest solar uh, array in the United States, so it's a big investment there. Hydrogen, Cummins is investing heavily in hydrogen. BP in northwest Indiana looks to invest, I think, $4 billion to convert a big operation up there in northwest Indiana. So that that uh, that energy component is going to be another one. And then I'll just throw this in. The overarching, I, I think, goal here is for these kinds of jobs, these uh, forward-looking jobs, if you will, that pay more to get the average wage up in Indiana. That's continued to be an issue for a long time here uh, in the state, that that per capita income, what Indiana workers are putting into their pockets. So these jobs typically pay above uh, average, and that's what they're after. Talking to Gary Dick from InsideIndianaBusiness.com on Twitter at IIB. Let me temper this a a little bit. You have Catalent, which is a drug manufacturer. Um, They're New Jersey-based. They have just engaged a round of layoffs, affecting 150 jobs in Bloomington. In Muncie, you've got Pepsi closing the plant there because of distribution changes. These these are maybe not as high-profile, but they have real effect, and these are just two of a couple of stories that have been building about business leaving the state or closing down. Is this about uh, supply chain? Is this about uh, the economic feel in general? Is there something Indiana-based that's causing this uh, to, to happen? What's going on? Yeah, I think you can look at these uh, announcements, in particular Catalan, as, uh, as company-specific. You know, Catalan made a huge investment uh, in uh, in Bloomington, or has made big investment in Bloomington. They bought the uh, former Cook Biotech operation there. Uh, announced big plans for expansion. This latest uh, uh, layoff uh, round that you're talking about, 150 jobs, that comes on top of news that they were going to cut about 400 jobs uh, a number of months ago that they announced. Uh, they got a lot of attention as they were uh, helping to supply some of the COVID-19 uh, vaccines needed to ramp up uh, to do that. But I think there are some issues uh, the company feels in terms of redundancies and those types of things, uh, specifically in Bloomington. So I look at it as more of a, a company-specific kind of thing, but no doubt big impact in particular in Bloomington. And again, these jobs typically are, are good-paying jobs uh, that uh, obviously Indiana doesn't want to lose. Of course, we get into some development opportunities as well, uh, Gary Dick, talking to Gary Dick from Inside Indiana Business. And and you take a look at what happened with Eleven Park. I, I couldn't get to the groundbreaking that took place, which is going to be the Diamond Chain building. This is going to change that area of downtown completely. And then there's the whole conversation of whether or not the city is going to build this Insignia Hotel and and should they in Indianapolis. And now we get word that that 
IUPUI or IU Indianapolis has got $89.5 million to build a 5,000-seat uh, uh, arena. It's fascinating to see the, the issues of Indianapolis and then the growth of Indianapolis. Who's right? Yeah, you know, and this, these are interesting times to be sure. Uh, Indianapolis and downtown, a lot of focus on some of the challenges that, that that exist there. But if you look at a number of projects, and you you just mentioned a few of them that are either underway or uh, in, in the works, uh, it's billions of dollars worth of investment. You look at Alanco right across the White River from that uh, Indy Eleven. Uh, development that uh, whole process is uh, beginning to unfold uh, along the banks of the White River. You see what's happening not only inside but uh, around Gamebridge Fieldhouse on the near east side of uh, of downtown. Big question mark: What will happen when you look at uh, at Circle Center? Uh, obviously, which is the biggest one of the biggest questions about downtown. What is the future of that of that uh, once iconic structure? So, a lot going on. I think these next couple of years are going to be extremely interesting in terms of the future of downtown Indianapolis, where where things go uh, in terms of investment and jobs and those uh, you know those kinds of things. My thanks to Gary Dick inside IndianaBusiness.com on Twitter at IIB. Look, the growth part of Indiana is is stupendous. I, I love every bit of it. But if you're not looking at some of the, the, the pieces that are missing, that are going by the wayside, if you're not honestly addressing those things, I, I think that's a serious issue. Losing this business in Bloomington, losing this business in Muncie, these are these are stories. These are stories. It's 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 150 uh, leadership and support jobs in Bloomington. The catalent is shedding. That's a real impact. I love the big biomed. I love the big biosciences. I love the huge dollar things. But I also recognize that when Pepsi closes a plant in Muncie, that is massively damaging. And we need to be a state that addresses all sides of the coin. We need those bio jobs, those ag jobs, those those big science jobs, big tech jobs, just as much as we need the plant job. Hoosiers have different capacities and different wants. Both things being true. And we need to make sure that we can offer up to a large degree all of those opportunities. We want all of those opportunities. I don't think we should be an all or nothing state. Never have. We should want it all. Now, maybe we want to be weighted in a certain direction, but that doesn't mean eliminating. I don't want to be in that business, man. No, 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 no. We want to be in the growth world. And the growth happens when you recognize that you have talent in all these different places and you want it to be able to to be utilized. You want these people to be able to find their opportunity and not every opportunity is sitting behind a desk coding and not every opportunity involves a guy being being the guy or or the woman in the in the white lab coat. See, I said the guy and the woman to prove that I am not sexist because I think that's how you prove it now. I honestly don't know anymore. We need all the things. And when we lose jobs, 150 here, 90 there, those things add up to problems quick. That all doesn't get satisfied by a trip by Governor Holcomb uh, to, to France and Portugal. But uh, again, I don't mind that he goes. and I don't understand why people get so angry when he goes. 
Let him go and, and try and bring the business. He doesn't do the other things here. He should at least do this. Oh, too soon? Too soon? Oh, well, what are you, what are you going to do? Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So you have a U.S. destroyer that a Chinese warship came within 150 yards of. While this is happening, you have Antony Blinken trying to engage with the Chinese foreign minister, who I believe uh, there are sanctions against, on the anniversary, the 34th anniversary of Tiananmen Square, while the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, is trying to make uh, contact with the Chinese, and the Chinese aren't interested. It seems that at every level, there is this maneuvering that China further and further wants to get into some kind of level of confrontation or goad the United States into some kind of mistake while at the same time trying to ignore the United States to show the rest of the world who's really in charge. Tony Katz, it's good to be with you. Tony Katz today, Major Mike Lyons joins us right now, retired United States Army West Point graduate. And the video that shows uh, this uh, U.S. warship, um, which is uh, the USS uh, Chung-Hoon, I believe it is, observing this Chinese Navy ship in an unsafe Chinese maneuver in the Taiwan Strait, cut directly across the bow, 150 yards away. And is this, uh, Major Lyons, because this took place in the Taiwan Strait? Or is this because the Chinese are like, hey, we don't mind playing with you. There's nothing you can do to us. Thanks for having me, Tony. No, I think it is because it's in the Taiwan Strait. The, the Chinese don't believe that that's international water. And I, that's part of the, the issue here. They, they believe that they control all the shipping lanes that go through there. They don't want U.S. patrols in that area. That's really what this was. It's a, these are, you know, the, that, that, that destroyer is forward deployed, is fully combat loaded, ready to go. Uh, was on a patrol with uh, a ship from Canada, in fact, uh, HMS Montreal, uh, and, and they looked like they're traveling in pairs. This is a show of force to try to to come back against the Americans for doing this. They, they don't want to see American warships in that area, knowing full well that if something happened, that's the next time you'll see American warships in that area. The uh, the the U.S. ship, as as we were discussing, it was with a Canadian frigate, the HMCS uh, Montreal. Mm-hmm. What they refer to, according to Military dot com, is freedom of navigation transit. Right. Mm-hmm. Americans look at this. The reporting looks at this and says this is the Chinese getting aggressive with the U.S. warship. Should it be seen as the other way? This is the U.S. and now with a partner in Canada, and you know we've got the partners in Australia, and you've seen how there's this conversation of building subs that will be built in Australia and, and will be docked, if you will. Uh, this is me not having the right terminology in Australia. And this is us saying we really can do whatever we want. We control the seas. You have to now heal. I do. I, and the only way we're going to project power in that region is with our Navy. And I, the Navy's not going to stop doing this. So uh, I, I think from from a U.S. security perspective with our allies, given how 
China has been aggressive. I, I um, look from their deals that they've signed with the Solomon Islands. You know, they've tried to co-opt some of those countries there that were formerly, let's say, you know, U.S. friends, U.S. allies in some ways. So I don't think the Navy's going to stop. They're going to continue to project power in this manner like we can, and the Chinese are going to continue to push back like this. Now, this could be it could have been a disaster. Um, that destroyer traveling, slowing down to 10 knots is likely what it used had to do to avoid collision, which it's going to do. We're not going to we're not going to create a problem that would you can't imagine two of these you know, battleships sinking in the middle of the, the Taiwan Strait. That would be even a greater disaster. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. While this is happening, you've got Anthony Blinken, who is the Secretary of State, meeting with the Chinese. A lot was made of the fact that this conversation was happening and on the 34th anniversary of Tiananmen mm-hmm. Square. Um, yeah. Do you do you take something of that? Is that considered a victory for China? And if so, how? Uh, Tiananmen Square, from their perspective, it is. I mean, it uh, locked the country down for another thirty plus years. Um, we we pick and choose the things that we want to you know highlight in our uh, from our country's perspective with our relationship with China. But um, but you know we're we're about to embark on what's going to be another. Cold War between us and China that's going to have a lot more maybe serious implications because this isn't Russia. This isn't the Soviet Union, so to speak. This is uh, you know a formidable economic power with um, a rising military that, you know, again, we can argue whether or not that w- when if it had to be used, it, w- it would work or not. But um, I think it could be a lot worse. So we, we definitely poke the Chinese here in some level. And it doesn't surprise me that their defense minister did not meet with uh, Secretary Austin at that at that security meeting, which is normally what happens every year in Singapore during this time frame. So, so let's get into that. Two things happened here. You have Anthony Blinken meeting with his uh, counterpart, but you have Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, where the Chinese refused to meet. What is the play there? Well, I, I think you know, despite the handshake, really, that all, all Blinken had, and 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 what Austin had with the defense secretary, I think it's showing us the message from the Chinese is that um, we'll talk diplomatically, but we're going to keep our military as far apart at this point. We don't we don't want any relationship to take place between the U.S. military industrial complex right now and the Chinese military systems. I mean, this is a long way from when Donald Trump was president, when you had. Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Staff, felt the need to call his Chinese counterpart and tell him that you know things are okay here, nothing's going to happen. Um, I think I think the Chinese have taken advantage of the Biden administration. They've they've, they've now used this to reset this relationship completely in the in the wrong direction um, and make it to the point where uh, it's going to be even more difficult. I think for this administration to sit down with China to figure out you know where we where we go forward. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army military analyst. What does that mean that this relationship is being reset in the wrong direction? Explain that. Well, I, you know, we've already got sanctions against most of these, some of these individuals that you have here already. So we've got a kind of we're very let's say we're negative right now. We have work to do to get even. And then potentially move positive, but I, I don't see I don't see that happening given the fact that we you know we're not able to agree on even where we're going to meet right now. It seems as though the Chinese 
really want to set the terms on this. And I, I think they're not going to be, be satisfied with that until they get certain sanctions removed. It's similar to the situation in Iran. They want, they want certain things to change first before they're going to sit down and talk uh, about the future. So, so think of it as, again, we're underwater trying to get even, trying to get our head above water to try to move it forward. Um, and, and I think the Chinese are going to keep it in that direction until they get certain sanctions removed and get certain things changed before the negotiations even start. Let's take it the other way just for a moment. I've seen a couple of moves from Biden uh, on this that I thought were actually stronger than they would ever do. If the move in the Taiwan Strait with our Canadian uh, allies was to remind China that we will travel any place we choose to travel, the seas belong to us, that's a position of strength and not weakness. So how is this actually a, and, and by the way, I, we should be clear, I'm totally fine with traveling the Taiwan Strait. I think we should do it uh, morning, noon, and night. We should send cruises up there like they're the Viking cruises on the Danube. We should just be, be traveling all over the place and dare China to mess with us. My question is, how is that not a, a complete show of strength to the rest of the world? I think the rest of the world still, unfortunately, based on these, some of the conduct of this administration, is not sure that the United States is going to still be that ally for them. I think that's we're suffering the malaise from Afghanistan still. I think that, that the, the Biden administration picks and chooses these times when they try to be strong. But I, I think we've got to put more time, unfortunately, between what happened in Afghanistan with our allies versus what's, what's happening here. And, and if the pivot to the Pacific actually takes place, something that Obama talked about when he was president, um, that then, then is this the right team? Is this the right administration to do that? I, I'm still not sure. If, the, if this administration is not trusted by the Chinese, if you bring in another administration, especially a Republican administration, who's going to be much more hardline about it. You look at every Republican politician in Congress right now, they're much more hardline about what China's done with uh, stealing our intellectual property, uh, trade, uh, secrets, everything, top to bottom, I think it's going to, again, get a lot worse. We take a look at the the non-meeting, as we discussed, with the defense Mm -hmm. minister. And, of course, everything is about trying to gain advantage. But let's start with a baseline. Why does the defense minister, uh, why does the defense secretary of the United States, Lloyd Austin, even want to meet with the with the Chinese? What's the what was the point of the ask? And, And when you deal with a culture like China, isn't the ask the weakness in and of itself? Yeah, I guess from what I know about Secretary Austin, I just he's he's a you know above reproach. I think he just wants to maintain the high ground in that regard and try not to make it any, anything more than that. And maybe they're asking for something they knew they weren't going to get anyway. So it checks a block on his side that says, "Hey, look, we you know we tried to talk, we got a, we got a handshake out of it, but that was it." Um, it, it just from the Chinese perspective, it was too premature, you know, given given, given not just the destroyer incident. There was an incident about the, the, uh, the Chinese buzzing spy planes and buzzing all kinds of other things. So th- this this cat and mouse game has become Cold War like it's become what the Russians and the United States were doing back in the 80s, checking to see on re- reliability, checking to see on response times. That's what's happening right now, uh, based on people I'm talking to also in the Navy. Uh, and that's why they're, they're doing these patrols and they're bringing other allies in. And you're going to see Australia more involved with them as well. Uh, and I think, from, again, from Austin's perspective, he's just trying to you know keep the high ground there. 
the high ground is 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 the right ground isn't isn't there something to be said for uh, uh ignore them and uh, they'll eventually come to you well you know he he's got he's got this administration to deal with that still wants to try to give olive branches out i think i, I they're not they're not, they're not they're not a hard line this administration is still not a hard line and, and similar to the way barack obama felt about the iranians that you know, we can get a deal done with them. I, you know, deep down, I do I do think that uh, Joe Biden and his people around him, uh, from his national security advisor all the way to Secretary of State to even, you know, even Lloyd Austin thinks they can get something done. So this is bad. This, this is how they're going to approach it. I, I don't think that uh, from their technique, it's any good or bad. I just think this is what they're going to, this is how they're going to approach it. Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to to be with us. Uh, the continued push by the Chinese requires continued response from us. And I absolutely favor, I absolutely favor the pro-action. I favor traveling the Taiwan Strait. I favor engaging in war games with allies in the South China Sea. And people say, well, Tony, you're just engaging in provocative measures. Everything that we do, no matter where it is, will be considered by China as a provocative measure. That's how they will see it. That's how they will respond to it. So as long as they're going to do that, no matter where it is, why not do that? Because as we often discuss, it's like when you're in a political debate. The person who's yelling at you, that's not who you're debating. It's a person watching who can learn something. This is for the rest of the world. Remember whose side to be on. It's very important. This is Tony Katz today. I know it may sound kind of odd to give Chuck Todd props but allow me for just a moment to give credit where it's due, because I, I think it's due. Oh, God! It is. It, it, it is. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. And yes, the new book, Let's Go Barbecue, the perfect Father's Day gift. Get it right now. Go to Amazon.com. Let's go BBQ. Let's go barbecue. And get the book. Make it happen my people recipes tips and tales from the pit it's got so much good stuff the origins of barbecue itself everything is there let's go barbecue available at amazon.com chuck todd announced that he's leaving meet the press this summer is going to be the end for him i have a personal announcement well today is not my final show this is going to be my final summer here at meet the press it's been an amazing nearly decade-long run I'm pretty, really proud of what this team and I have built over the last decade and, frankly, the last 15-plus years that I've been here at NBC, which also includes my time as political director. I've loved so much of this job, helping to explain America to Washington and explain Washington to America. But the key to survival of any of these incredible media entities, including here at Meet the Press, is for leaders not to overstay their welcome. I'd rather leave a little bit too soon than stay a tad bit too long. I've had two amazing professional chapters, and I already have plans for my next chapter, including some projects right here at NBC News that I've been uh, very focused on, among them docu-series and some docudramas focused on trying to educate the public better, bridge our divides, and pierce our political bubbles. 
Now, I don't know what kind of job he can do on that, considering the levels of political bubbles he operates in and helps create. But there is something refreshing to someone saying there are things more important than this. I'm not going to spend all my time here. I want other things for my life. I respect that. I do. I think that it, it, it takes remarkable fortitude. It takes remarkable decency. And it takes a look at asking yourself, how do I rank these things? How do I go about ranking the things in my life? What, what matters? What, what should I be focused on? What else is there and what else could there be? That's really important. There is a, there is a stunning value to that. And, and I, I do, I respect it. I respect it. I also like the idea that Kristen Welker is going to be taking over the show. She's uh, NBC's uh, chief White House correspondent. Uh, she's done some of the presidential debate stuff. And, and uh, you know what? Compared to who they have, she's solid. And I think she can really carve something out for herself. And I, and I certainly hope she does. No, we, we all know what the story is. We all know how, how bad this can go. But you hope, you hope beyond hope, beyond hope that it might actually be something that's worth watching and conversations worth having. But man, good on him. Knowing when your moment is, knowing like, okay, what I value has changed, what I need has changed, what I want has changed. I'm going to go change with it. It's, it would be easy to stay and the accolades and all the cool stuff. Nah. Wanting to leave a little bit early than stay too late? Dude. Sorry. I, politically, he's a mess. But I can respect the decision for sure. Me. I ain't going anywhere yet. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. T-O-N-Y-K-A-T-Z. TonyKatz.com. Tomorrow, everyone. Take care.